Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, this foundation not only provides medium coverage and a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at Amazon.com slash Instant Eraser Foundation. Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 876. This is a uh, Talking with Chris Hardwick episode, an, an extended version. Uh, this is the cast of Orange is the New Black, because uh, I don't believe Orange is the New Black has an after show that goes along with it. It's sort, of, it's sort of tough with the Netflix shows, because you binge watch them, so it's like you're not, you probably wouldn't watch an episode and then watch an after show and then watch an episode and then watch an after show. You might, you kind of might, I mean, maybe one could bookend the season. I don't know, but this, but this was great because it was it sort of acted as that role. But also, um, they were we had Taylor Schilling on and Uzo Aduba and Daniel Brooks and Taryn Manning, and they were they were great. And uh, it was really, I mean, we talked about more than just the show, but just as people, they were also incredibly wonderful people. And uh, Orange Is the New Black is season five is 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 on Netflix June 9th. so. We don't – if you're not caught up in the show, we do talk about some stuff that has happened. So I should just give a mild spoiler alert that there are some things that if you're not caught up to the show that we do talk about. Um, but if you are or if you can consider them completely independent experiences and you can still <laughs> enjoy the process of it while having something – you know, finding out something, then go ahead and go ahead and listen. But uh, Taylor Schilling, Uzo Aduba, Daniel Brooks, Taryn Manning, Orange is the New Black. Uh, talking with Chris Hardwick is – we're going on a little bit of a break to to accommodate a little show called Fear the Walking Dead. But when that's done later in the summer, we'll be back. Uh, we have a lot more great episodes coming up. Brian Cranston, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Jane Lynch. Um, we have uh, Tatiana Maslany, Jamie Alexander. So it's a, we still still got a lot more episodes to go coming up later in the summer. But uh, Talking Dead will be back for Fear the Walking Dead uh, coming up pretty soon. Uh, so there you go. Here's the Nerds Podcast number 876, talking with Chris Hardwick, Orange is the New Black. Now entering Nerdist.com. My guests are the cast of one of the very first and most critically acclaimed series on Netflix. They play inmates in the fictional Litchfield Penitentiary. At over four seasons so far, we've come to know why they were incarcerated, how each one has adjusted to prison life. They've all evolved in incredible ways, and the show has been nominated for an unbelievable 17 Emmys and won four of them. Joining me tonight, Uzo Aduba, who plays Suzanne Crazy Eyes Warren, Danielle Brooks, a.k.a. Tasty Jefferson, Taryn Manning, also known as Pensatucky, and the character that kicked off the entire thing, Taylor Schilling as Piper Chapman. Tonight, the 
cast of Orange is the New Black, we'll be talking with Chris Hardwick. Oh my gosh. This is very exciting. This is, uh, this is a big deal. It's like there are people in the audience are, are, are dressed up in, in, in costume right there. I love that so much. Thank you for your effort yeah. this morning. I know, and there's one in the back, too. Yeah, this see is, you. Well, this oh, is, you boo. This is, this, is, this is the fandom. Well, first of all, uh, we've heard all your questions, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, using at talking. I'm going to read in questions, comments, comments. We're going to be using uh, hashtag talking hardwick. We're going to see video messages that you've sent. People from the audience are going to ask questions for Orange is the New Black. And, uh, but I'm going to talk, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kick the chat off a little bit. This is, uh, what an incredible, I guess, five years now, almost five years that it's been for you, but you see the fandom that is surrounding this show. Did any of you ever have any idea that this is what would happen? This kind of cultural impact? Hell to the no. (laughs) No, no, no. No, because I think, you know, if we go back to 2013, it was 2013, I think right. it was, um, you know, Netflix was really just a thing oh. that you would get DVDs in the mail and send them back. Yeah. And so the idea of them doing original programming was a little bit like, what are they doing? Yeah. What are they, what's happening over there? Well, I remember, and I think I've said this before, that when it was in my world, when it entered my orbit, I really thought it was like a web series. Right. I thought that that was really the only thing I had to compare it to. Mm. And then we... But I was, you know, the, I thought the book was amazing. And Genji Cohen, I was such a fan of. So it was like, this is an incredibly, this is a beautiful project. But I thought it was going to be the equivalent of, like, doing a black box. Like a YouTube show. Downtown, off, 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 Broadway. But then something really interesting happened. And I think, you know, we all, we, something cool happened that first season when we were sort of in a bubble and kind of thinking it was a web series. And we just all... It's like was felt like a play. It felt like doing yeah. a little insulated. Yes. Like I feel like I'm overacting. Yeah. But you great. Like what is the tone? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Find it. So what? So Danielle, you got this right out of college, right? Basically, I mean, I had yes. a little. I had a year of struggle. Like for <laughs> actors, that's like dog years, so it feels like forever. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> but I did. I booked it out of school, and I had like no expectation, nothing, no idea what this was going to be. I was just happy that somebody's going to give me a check and give me an opportunity to showcase what I could do. So I was like, okay, whatever you want me to do, I'm about to do it. Yeah. And I'm going to play an inmate. <laughs> that's what it turned out to be. So. It's been an incredible ride. So much fun working with all these girls and getting to tell this story for the fifth time, fifth season. It's been awesome. What about? Yeah, isn't that? It must be. It must no, seem crazy. I can't. Like I still remember that day, the first scene. We that had my first had scene was, was with, together. With the Taylor and I literally, and it was so small. Like I remember, I just, it felt so small. It mm. felt like such an intimate thing, and. I had to have, like, my clothes off. She was naked. <laughs> I, I was, was like, like, you got those TV titties. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. 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 And we just, like, and I was like, who is this woman? Who is this girl? And I, like, went home, and I remember texting some friends of mine and being like, this cast, like, something cool is happening here. Mm. Yeah. Something really wild is happening. So you felt it right so away. I kind of did. As soon as I met everybody, and then I was like, I need to know you. Right now. Yes. Took a minute. We, we and, it beca- <laughs> and it kind of felt like we the show. I don't know. It felt like 
after school, just hanging out a lot of the time, you know, even though we're at work, it didn't feel ever like we were working. It just felt like you met these people who, for some reason, you didn't know the day before yesterday, but then felt like they fit perfectly into your life. And you just wanted to be around each other and all the dressing room doors. I specifically remember, you know, you think, okay, here's Taylor, like maybe, you know, she's going to be off in her room. And instead, the door was A, open, and B, distinctly, I remember her coming into, I don't know what we were crowded into the room talking about, like some room, but we were in somebody's (laughs) room and she came in and we were all talking, like yipping, and she just was like, sat on the floor and just chilled out. And it was like, oh, we're all one in this. Well, it is interesting that the show is about a group of people who are sort of smushed together and have to sort out their own dynamics. And, and in a way, that's what happens on a, on a production where you all are, you don't know anyone, but you come together and you have to kind of figure out like what your dynamic is going to be as yeah. human beings mm. so that you can approach your work. But did you almost, you were, you were just ready to give up acting before? Had. Had. You had given I, like, it up. The day of, it was 45 minutes, but it was a long 45 minutes. I mean, there are, there are a million reasons to... <laughs> I love that. that there it, are a million <laughs> reasons to tell the entertainment business to go fuck itself, but yeah. what, what, were, what was yours? Like, what was, what was your defining moment? Mine was, I felt like there was a party happening daily that I didn't feel like I was often invited to. Yeah. And... It's hard to know that, you know, like you're feeling like you're not being invited to the party. And I think why we all, for all of us, a lot of us, there's so many of us who are different, whether it be our size, whether it be our style of acting, whether it be our color, whether it be our natural hair, whatever it is that we're bringing differently to this table. Genji was interested in it. I always use this term like, we are a motley crew. <laughs> this group of us. Don't you feel like yeah. this? Look at I mean, look at us. <laughs> this motley crew of women. And um, I had been working and trying to just find my space, my place in this, and felt very exhausted, I guess, by the effort. And I came, and it was the first time, the day that I quit this, quit acting. It was the first time in my heart I had really quit. I had quit and questioned before in my mind, but I had never in my spirit really said, I'm done. And that day that I said that, I came home and I was like, I'm going to get some sushi, going to get some wine. This is, uh, you know, moving on with my life party. And um, (laughs) truly, you know, my family's from Nigeria. So I thought, you know, we go into like traditional professions. And so my parents thought I was going to be a lawyer because I can talk a lot. (laughs) And so, um, I thought that was what I was going to go and do. And I went home ready to just be moving on on Monday. It was a Friday. I will never forget it. September 14th, 2012. And five, like just 5.43 p.m., the phone rang. And it was like, you got Orange is the New Black. <laughs> no, I already quit. I'm sorry. I, I had a sushi party. Could you imagine? Can't, can't do it. No, what is that, an internet show? I don't want to do that. That doesn't can't sound like that. something. <laughs> and so you, you kind of had to muster up the, okay, I get, you know, you get, re- yeah. you probably immediately was like, oh, maybe this isn't so bad after yeah, no, all. I was like, I get, no, I was, I was really excited. But I was on the moon. But that's a really interesting idea, this, this idea that I, and I think so many performers feel it as like there's a party over there happening and we're, I'm not a part of it. And I don't know if that's something we put on ourselves. Mm. I feel like it's mostly self-generated, this idea that there's an over there and then I'm isolated over here. But this is kind of thematically what the show is, isn't it? It's like a bunch of, it's a group of humans who've sort of been outcast 
and they have to figure out how to make make their lives work together. But what I could never, you know, when I first watched the show, I watched it right right when it came out that that weekend where everyone else like when it exploded, and uh, I was trying to figure. I was like, oh, well, it's a comedy, but it's not a comedy. But it doesn't feel like a traditional dramedy either. It's like there's really silly comedy stuff. But then there's really messed up, serious stuff at the same time. And that was even reflected in the Emmys, where it was like you were nominated for comedy and you were nominated for drama. Right, right, right. So each one of you, what do you think the show is? Taylor, what do you think mm. the show is? I mean, that's such a good question. I think what you started talking about, that idea of outsiderness and mis- being a misfit yeah. and outside of the outside of the group yeah. is not only something that I think a lot of performers feel, but I think it's it's very human. Mm. And I think it's it's something that in all in every way, like I'm sh- I know I have personally and I know we all have it's something that I'm in dialogue with all the time. No matter how much in the a part of the party I am, there's always that very human sense that I'm I'm not quite I don't quite belong. Right. And I think that there was something where Genji found a way to express that really universal feeling through incredibly specific stories. And that is, I mean, I feel like for me, that's like a glass of cool water. That's like, a, it's like a relief to feel like, oh, I'm not alone. Right. And, she, and I think she, I think that sort of, and she found the context of prison and, you know, really dealing with people who are different genders, sexualities, colors, sizes, shapes, different socioeconomic status says mm-hmm. but um <laughs> so but but like they like they but that's almost just a vehicle for talking about this like just incredibly human experience and i think my feeling is is that people felt that i think mm-hmm. and that that was sort they of relate to it. yeah i think that that's kind of what made that's kind of that's my take on it well yeah they relate to it because it's basically uh you know, it's a show that, that with characters that basically says, like, no matter how fucked up you are or how much society says you're fucked up, you're your human and your story's worth it and you're welcome here yeah. and you're accepted. And Pensatucky is this character who is, even within this crazy system, is really kind of an, always like kind of an outcast in the beginning, especially. It's very specific. Meth addict, religious, maybe, has also, has really kind of on her own wavelength. So how did you approach her and what, you know, what resonated with her for you? Um, yeah, she definitely doesn't walk in there trying to make friends. <laughs> <laughs> Not saying some of the stuff that comes out of her mouth. Um, I really enjoyed the journey of her so far, the arc. Um, I, the writers and what they've done with each of these characters is like so much fun. And maybe somehow I knew that, you know, what I read in that first script, like, whoo, you know, it's very, uh, she's very just mean and just sort of like one-dimensionally just awful. And I, and I, like, just what Taylor was saying, like, um, there is a very human side to, like, everything that we're doing. And, um, yeah, like, Genji finds a way to sort of, even for the actor to, like, um, find the bridge between, you know, me and her so we can, you know, marry and, and live happily together. Because otherwise I'm like, oh. Like, what is she saying half the time? Yeah, you know, like, sorry. Hey, guys. Do you ever, as, as, as <laughs> actors, say to each other before a scene, I'm about to say some really yeah. horrible things, and I'm just, I mean, like, do you ever feel the need to kind of caretake other people before you say stuff on the show? Like, you know, this is just, or everyone understands. Yeah. I think 
if you read the script, every now and then you might have to just be like, I'm probably going to so go sorry. a little further. Than <laughs> but, you know, but for the most part, I think we respect each other. And that's the beauty of being on the show for five years. Our trust level with each other yes. is incredible. You yes. know what I mean? Like, literally, we can be joking and singing and, and laughing. And then we know when it's time to lock in and give someone their space or, you know, when it's time to you know, be serious or whatever. Like, we, we really have a good connection, a good chemistry together, uh, which has been a lot of fun. Well, when, when, what was the moment that you realized, oh, this is a thing. This is, this is, well, this is not some internet show. This is um, a cultural phenomenon. I think for me, uh, it happened in the course of 13 hours. It takes 13 hours for someone to watch yeah. Orange is New Black. So my life changed in 13 hours of someone sitting in front of their... TV or their or their computer or their iPad. And I remember stepping out of my apartment in Harlem and I was getting on the bus and someone rolled by and they were like, that's that girl, that's that girl. <laughs> and I was by myself and I was freaking out. I was like, what do I do? Like, I'm that girl, okay, okay. <laughs> and it was crazy to think about. And I would be on the train and by myself and like these four teenager girls would be screaming their heads off, being like, that's tasty. And I got four stops to go. And now everybody's looking at me, you know? <laughs> so I had to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also been the wonderful part about um, this this process and this um, just growing in, in this business is having each other, mm-hmm. having, you know, like Kate Mulgrew or Leah Delaria or um, Laura Prepon, people who've been doing this for years and getting to, like, talk to them and ask them these questions. And then having, like, Uzo and, and Samira and, and um, Adrian, who this is our first time experiencing this, and we get to talk and be like, you know, girl, where you stopped on, da 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 or do you need help with this? Are you having trouble finding a stylist? Like, we could help each other in that way. And uh, so it's been great um, just to have such a great toolbox of people to ask for help in this, in this business. Where's the weirdest place you've ever been recognized? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yo, so I was in Texas. <laughs> Done. End of story. That says everything. Every, every, every weird story can talk with, so I was in Texas. Yeah. Got it. So I Got was it. in Texas doing some press. And I was out chilling on the street with two of my friends. And I see this, les- well, this lesbian couple sees me. And they're like, one of them says to her girlfriend, like, Oh, I think that's that girl. That's that girl from Orange. Tasty. And she, the other girl says, Stop it. Don't be racist. I was like, So I went up to her. I was like, It is me. <laughs> and we took a lovely picture together and just like, I will never forget that. You probably saved that relationship if you hadn't gone up to her like, I can't believe I've been dating a racist this entire time. Stop being racist. <laughs> You're actually not. It's me. You got the right black girl. <laughs> it must just be weird to walk down the street and just hear, Tasty! Like oh, people just fine. screaming. I feel bad for Samir. Pussy! Like, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Porn stash! <laughs> what do you do with that? But Crazy Eyes was someone that I feel like people gravitated to immediately on the show. And her story is 
You know, it's, it's, the, the thing that I love about the show is that it takes this idea, these preconceived notions that you have about people and these, this one-dimensional idea that you might have if you just saw a random assortment of people, mm-hmm. and it really goes deep and says, oh, th- this, is, this is their human, this is who they are, this is how they were formed, this is their human story. So who is, who is Crazy Eyes to you? Like, what does she mean to you, and how has that evolved since, since 2013? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Go. When exactly? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, when it started for me, when I read it off the page, you know, in the beginning, I was like, okay, we are going where with this now? Um, but as the time evolved and I started to see that, oh, she's like deeply in love with this woman and, and perhaps even just fixated on her, I realized that this wasn't just, you know, she wasn't writing poems for no reason. She wasn't just, you know, peeing on the floor for no reason. <laughs> These are... <laughs> yes, I do. We started this being in love. In love, yes. Well, one is yes, in love. Yes, I don't know about love. love. So I, I, I forgot floor. about that peeing yes. on the floor thing. Peeing, the, peeing on the floor, the yes. poem where we're on the track. <laughs> that was a fun day. <laughs> And it was so amazing because I remember <laughs> so it's like she, you would do Uzo is so brilliant and we'd come and to work does. and do these things. Like, we would just like, I was like, who is this woman? <laughs> who is this woman and how is she? Because like, but, well, your reaction is shit and <laughs> yeah. really fun. Your reaction when we're reading the poem is, is, well, and somebody who is entirely with you when you're doing the scene is if you watch it back, like, is a thousand percent real. Like, every take being like, which is my i think i feel like that's where the joke really lands it's like when you watch piper be like what is happening right now because it was i mean that was just so much it was and still is it's just so much fun and i think that's the freedom that this character suzanne and the characters that genji writes for all of us to play what makes it fun to go why it doesn't feel like work you know that thing i was saying before because you genuinely enjoy what you get to open up to do and where you start with all of these characters at point a is not where you finish at point b i find that to be the most satisfying thing when you're acting is knowing that we're not going to repeat day after day moment after moment the exact same thing that's what suzanne is to me i think where i landed with her is I started from a space of her name is Suzanne. She's not crazy eyes. Right. And I've sort of endeared myself to the term of crazy eyes now because sometimes she can be crazy. Right. And so, like, you know, but um, I think she has that Jekyll and Hyde-ishness in her that we all do or we're trying to find. Sometimes we're leaning left, sometimes we're leaning right. And what I know for sure is that we can never judge any person by our first exposure to right. You know, we have to look a little deeper, you know. If she, if, 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 if Suzanne could basically break the fourth wall and say to the audience, here's who I want, here's what I want you to understand about me, what do you think that would, what do you think that would be? I think she would say, I desperately want to be loved. Mm. And do you have some peanut butter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love and peanut butter. Just a sandwich of love and peanut butter. But you know, you you talk oh, just uh, I, I 
the the fandom that is around this show is so incredible, and it's such a you know, and, and not not every show has it, but this is definitely. Definitely a show that I think should have, like, an after show to unpack mm. everything that happens on it because the fandom is so passionate, and it's so... I mean, and you you, you become memes. Taryn is a meme. I see this meme pop up every once in a while. Do we have the preach meme? There yes, it is. Yes! yes. yes. I assume you're familiar with this. Did you and Naj use it? Yes. <laughs> I have seen that before. Yes. yes. Hilarious. I mean, did you... Did you I remember taking that. I don't remember. You don't remember taking it? I remember the photo shoot, but that particular pose. <laughs> <laughs> are you guys... Uh, are, are you... Are you... Are you all uh, frequent internet users? Do you understand the, the community that's around? Or, or do, you, do you stay away? Are you uh, internet-y? I'm probably the least internet I, I try about, to help her. She, they try to help me. Teach her Twitter and stuff. <laughs> Sometimes Lord. I'll be like, Danielle, can we please? I've had to give her less. Like, I don't know how to do it. So. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why I'm so out. It, I don't have any, like, there's nothing. I, I don't know why I, it hasn't taken. I'm like, I can't, I don't swim there very mm. well. Right. I feel very, like, I feel, I really appreciate I so desperately want to be seen, and I see how many people want to be seen, and sometimes I'm overwhelmed by all of the people, the seeingness. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it is a, it's intense, you know, online is intense, and especially because, I mean, how do you, for, with, a, with a fandom as passionate as this, obviously people, so I, I, a lot of people on the internet, it feels like they watch shows and they just think every show's a documentary, and so they, <laughs> they act like, why did you do this? <laughs> or why did Suzanne do this? Or why didn't Suzanne? And like, well. That I, happens a lot. People actually say that to me on the street, too. Mm. <clears throat> people get, people, people tend to, Think things are yeah. documentaries, mm-hmm. and how do you how do you respect? Because you don't want to go like it's not real. Because then they go, I know. What? You well, know, I found like since for like the past probably three years, I found this really. I, I actually feel really privileged that people take it so seriously. That I'm involved in something that people think are so passionate about. But people will say like. Why did you do that? Right. I'll be like, you got to talk to Genji about that. Like, I didn't. I didn't write the script. I improvised the entire, the entire season. Right. I'm making this yeah. up. Made all the choices. Yeah. But one one question that we got a lot of, and this this is again just how granular fandom can get, is uh, your high school yearbook quote, Ooh. which is not. Uh, which uh, I don't know if it... I just learned about this the other day. So oh, here's God. here's your high school picture, and then That's and really then your cute. quote is. Zap to me and my hippos, bye bye. I'm what? so nutty. I'm so nutty. Yeah. Bye bye. Okay. Nothing has cha- nothing has changed. I was so. Put <laughs> your hair. I love your yeah. picture too. It's kind of like, why are you looking at this? Yeah. I was like, no, I Zapped. took that. I, I made my dad take that the night before, and I was because I thought it was so. I mean, I was so. I had such a non-traditional high school experience where I was sort of like on the fringes, and I went to a bunch of different schools, and so I was really able to observe from the outside these. And I lived in a suburban town. These like clicks and people mm. taking all this time to say hi to this nickname and this person and that thing. And it was this very complex sort of mating ritual. Sure. And I was like, I, this makes no sense to me. I think it's pretty dumb. So <laughs> I'm gonna. I was like, I don't know what I was thinking. So I was like, this this is stupid. So you're saying I'm okay. So my group in high school was. Hippos, I guess. I don't know. I made it up. So I in, totally in your head, was there was a like, whole narrative behind it. No, I just wrote it really quickly, and then I made my father take that picture the day before, because I was like, you want me in your yearbook? Fine. It's like, I have no business here. And I had no idea it was such a big 
saying, God, I just, such a, such a, such a little button I mean, bronco. If, I you, was. if you never, if, <laughs> yeah, I know. If, you know, you, you, you had a real, there was a real opportunity for you to be like, there's a very secret message behind this. <laughs> and only the truest fan will figure it out. I know. I, apparently there are like threads trying to figure it out. It really means nothing other than how absurd are all these like, K21, thank you, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> With my dad's money and driving my Beamer. I'm like, okay, fine, drive your dad's Beamer. And talk about it and talk about winning a football game, but I'm going to say bye to my hippos. Well, isn't that, you know what, though? I, the, I do understand. I understand I, the, the chain of logic on that. I just thought it was so dumb. I don't know. No, but it's, it's interesting. Don't you think there's an interesting connection between you sort of looking at the way people are interacting in high school and then what you just said about the internet and it's just like I don't know that it really yeah. feels like you I, I, do you like to operate outside the, the, the I establishment I like to I think it's a really interesting question I mean do, we could talk for hours I'm sure. sure everyone's very interested um, I, I don't think so I think that that's a part that's really a part of me I'm getting to know that mm. I think I've, I I oftentimes and I know I'm not alone in this but given the way I've grown up and my, my whole experience of life is often one of being on the outside and sort of like miss missing like and then playing piper piper's on the outside you know piper doesn't quite piper doesn't belong she's not a part of the community right and it's interesting that that kind of gets played out but it's kind of badass that like at 18 you were just like oh, I'm I was not out. conforming <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just oh, I was like, like I'm writing. doing my own thing like, I don't fit anywhere you know? and take me as I am <laughs> yes. and that's kind of still how I feel a little bit because I do feel like there, with the with there's such a push to kind of curate a life that is labelable, mm-hmm. right? With social media and with this age of the idea of being an actor means you're a celebrity, which I don't buy into, mm-hmm. and I'm not interested in that part of it. But I really love to act, so I kind of am like. Eh. Well, well interesting. Yeah. But, it, but it is like high school, though. <clears throat> this idea of celebrity and so like the, the, that that stratum of the business is very much like high school. And oh, she said, and can you believe? Mm-hmm. How is that? Yo, yo, dog. Hey, yeah. to catch right, you next. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Who paid for the? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You didn't pay yeah. for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it. But but that idea that this this system is kind of. That that high school thing never entirely goes away. No, so. well, never it's like they're really. called likes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. hearts and yes. followers. Yeah. Right. I mean, like how many likes or friends? Do you know what I mean? Like how many friends do you have, and how many <laughs> likes do you have? No shade, no tea, but it's just yeah. kind of like. You know, like that's still so high school. It's like, how many likes did you get? Yeah, well, I didn't get this many. You know what I mean? It's like. It's, it's, yeah. it's an interesting metric to sort of to value whether or not you and should becomes, exist. Whether your it becomes like barterable, Bar- like weird, strange. This like you're you're bartering in something that's not uh, yourself. Yeah, because very I think much in so. some th- like what you're talking about, Suzanne. That's kind of how I think a lot of people feel. I think that's one of the reasons you've created someone that's so immediately, um, it, viscerally attractive, because she. She's saying that everybody just wants to be loved and seen for who they are. Absolutely. But I feel like somehow, sometimes for me, in my experience, that kind of sharing of yourself can actually block seeing who you really are. Right. And so that's sort of, that's just been my experience of it. But as you can see clearly from my 
bizarro high school days. I've been I've been doing this for a long time. I mean, I, I've remained pretty consistent with my viewpoint. I mean, I don't know what it is in my blood. My brother like lives off the grid. I don't know. He's a farmer. Did you not? Did you have a group? I I, I kind of want to just go around and find out what you were all like in high school. Like, what was your group, or who did you you know? Did, were you a loner? What was what? So who was your group? And who were? Let's start with. I feel like I'm talking so much. No, I want these brilliant people. Really quickly, I want to hear about who the hippos were. Which is <laughs> I mean, they don't exist. I think one of my things in high school was I came from a family that was on the outside of where we were living. Sure. We, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't have the same socioeconomic status of the people that I was around, and I was very much other than. Mm-hmm. So, and then I, I had, through different events, had to go to some different schools. And so I never, I sort of had to create my own, but kind of like create my own elbow room to sure. exist. Because it was also in a culture that is very, like that, the homogeneous kind of white right. thing that happens outside of Boston, and I think in a lot of suburbs, was very constricting for me. And I didn't, and just, be, just because of the practicalities in my life at home and stuff, I, I, wasn't, I didn't have many friends. I didn't have many relationships in that way. I didn't travel with a crew. Oh, <laughs> you made your own I crew. I did. I don't need you. I'm going to make my own crew. And they're going to be the hippos, and, and like, they're the best ever. They are kind of, though. I, like, think it's kind of amazing. And I will just put a plug out for continuing to be yourself because it's bizarre <laughs> how life works out that at, like, 28 when I started this thing, I, like, finally found my like sorority sisters they're like, here. Well, and, 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 <laughs> and I, also, I also think Uzo's story is the perfect defining story of... The second you stop trying to fit into everyone else's yes. thing, it's like you're is the second you yes. like everything clicks in. It's almost like the universe goes, "Oh, you're ready now," and I'm gonna yeah. just throw a bunch of stuff at you now. You know, I'm realizing that we've had very similar experiences, kind of in different things. To that, I'm not an actor anymore. Then, yes. So, but yeah, very similar. I'm just going to let go. What about you, Taryn? Who were you? And, and Did you go to traditional high school? Because I know you've been doing this for a while. So I yeah. I went, to, I went to, I switched high schools in the middle, which was traumatic. Tough. Because um, I got accepted into Orange County High School of the Arts, OSHA. Because mm-hmm. I was a dancer. I was a ballerina and a, like a jazz dancer. And that's why I moved to Hollywood to dance. But I always had a lot of friends. My mom would say, one day you're going to be able to count all them on one hand. And I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. And then, yeah, she's right. <laughs> like two, I think, left. Um, you know, I had a lot of friends, but I always say to people, like, if you feel like you're a nerd or, like, you know, a geek or whatever, you're probably going to end up doing something great with your life. Because we were kind of, we were, like, nerdy, you know, but we were kind of emo kids, but mm. lots of us. Well, yeah, it's, it's because, I mean, this may not be surprising at all, but I grew up as a very nerdy kid, and I was into <laughs> a lot of stuff that other people weren't into. And <laughs> at the time, it was heartbreaking because I just felt like, oh, I don't fit in. I really like these things. Yeah. I don't understand the vernacular, the dialogue of the, what the other kids are saying. But then I realized that when, that when you're kind of an oddball when you're young, that's best because you really learn introspection. And yeah. when you're young, if everything comes very easily to you, you don't ever learn the skills. You don't learn. You never have to work for it. Yeah. So you just don't go inward because everyone just brings you shit. Yeah. And so I think it's way, it may be painful when you're a kid, but it's a short period of time. Yeah. And yeah. it's better that you have that for the rest of your life, that skill set. What about, what about you in high school? Me in high school, I was, I don't know, I feel like it was like glee in high school. <laughs> like, really, like, not even joking. Like, 
I grew up in a very sports-dominated family. Okay. And my family, we all played sports. And everybody's into the arts, too. But everybody was super into sports. And I loved music and making up songs downstairs. And my brother would always be, like, yelling, like, shut up! Like, you know, like, <laughs> all the time at me because I was being so loud. Um, and I just would be wild with my imagination of writing and just being just ridiculous and, like, inventing things in the backyard. And um, so I had, but I played sports, you know, I figure skated for a really long time and I ran track uh, in high school and I had my sports friends. But then when I got to high school and the drama club, well, let me scroll back because I have to be full disclosure. (laughs) Let's be clear. I was also in the chess club and the sewing club. In middle school, and sewing. Yes, I was in chess club. I was in chess club. Yes, did you ever? Did you play tournaments and all the? Within our school, we had like different. Okay, so there was there was a club, and then they broke. Yes, I'm like L five. We can do if you want to bring a chess table. My niece and nephews play chess now, and like it's like. I'm, like, so excited for them, and they only just learned how to play checkers after having learned to play chess. I'm going really deep into this nerd story. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I'm, like, super into it. But, yeah, I was into stuff like that. And and then when I got to the high school, um, we had drama and concert choir, and I was so into it. And so then I wound up having friends from that group. And, honestly, my best friend... Um, Simi, shout out to Simi, because uh, she's still my best friend. Um, she and my other friend Crowley, like, we just were all, you know Crowley, you all know Crowley. Um, we all were just into those sort of things, and they remained my friends, and I think I sort of lived between both worlds, because then even when I went to college, I was in art school, and I was running track at school, so I had my teammates who I was still friends with, and then I have my art friends who I was still friends with, so I guess that was like the straddle of what I was living sure. uh, throughout while also balancing. Did you feel like it was an identity <laughs> balance of like, oh, my sports friends are separate from my chess friends? No. Well, you know what is funny? Actually, when I got to college, it was funny because there would be parties and say I was going to, I don't know, like a basketball party or something, and I'd be telling my classmates, I'd be like, let's go to this party, like, da-da-da-da-da, it's happening south, and like, whatever. And they would be like, no, we don't feel like anybody's going to want us there. It's going to be weird. We, but that was every single time. And then reverse, if I wanted to bring some of my teammates to an arts party, they'd be like, no, I don't know if they would be like our scene. And I actually find that the two groups are more alike than they are just unalike. Oh, interesting. Yes. Both are incredibly hardworking. Right. Focused. You're, people are dreaming about something that most people are telling you is impossible. Right. You know what I mean? to achieve something. And that spirit, that fire, is the thing that's motivating you most. And I, I don't know, I just always was like, y'all should hang out more because I feel like <laughs> you would like each I'm other. I'm so jealous better. of you straddling both worlds because I so always had that fantasy of someone going, hey, what's up, chess nerd? And we'd be like, you know I could beat the shit out of you, right? <laughs> I did not have that at all. I'd be like, don't look at me. I wish I had the sports gene. With the I wish to stop looking at me. Uh, Danielle, I want to ask you, because the show... Again, I don't know how much Genji like saw where it was going to go, but the show has really become an important show about uh, tackling social issues, and there are a lot. And I know people get very passionate, and I know things you know things happen on the show that audiences may cheer for or not agree with. But for you know what what for you has been so important about that or impactful, and how do you see the show's responsibility? 
Yeah, it's kind of crazy because when I first entered into telling this story, I had no idea where it was going to go. And I also never really saw myself wanting to talk about, like, political issues, social issues. Like, I just wanted to act, (laughs) you know what I mean? But then you see the importance of it. You see all of the different subject matters that we're able to talk about and people are able to relate to and hear us. We even, President Obama even mentioned the show. So you feel a sort of responsibility. You do have a responsibility as an artist to... Um, talk about things that are important, um, like the issues that we're talking about with Poussey and right. police brutality and all of that. So you, the, the, the crazy thing about our show, it was so parallel to what was going on with, um, you know, Black Lives Matter and all of that, uh, with Philando, um, with uh, Sandra Bland, Mike Brown, the list goes on, you know what I mean? And I just, what I appreciate about the show is that you can take somebody like from North Dakota who doesn't even have a black friend or like who's never come in contact with someone of color and they are so attached to these characters, Poussey and Tasty. And and so they're invested in these fictional characters, but because they're invested in the characters alongside us and because of social media, I think it's amazing that they... Um, are now being aware of um, social issues and we get to talk about, um, you know, like Black Lives Mattering. They get to understand what that is in a world that they were so not, they, they weren't given that opportunity, I guess. Right. Uh, so it, for me, it's been wonderful to tell this story. You know, I, I just, just want to give it justice and do it justice because what I do know for a fact that even though our show is fictional, there. People are living that every day. Mm-hmm. You know, like, th- th- some, you know, I don't know. I just keep going back to this image in New York Times had done um, on Mike Brown when he had passed away. And he had his father over a casket just mm-hmm. crying his eyes out, the whole family over the casket. And, like, that just reminder, like, these are real lives, y'all. Like, real lives. We just lost Jordan Edwards, you know, t- in Texas. <laughs> um the other day, and I just um, I just appreciate our our, our our writers and Gingy not being afraid to talk about things that matter. Well, a really good, <clears throat> I mean, art in its best form, I think, will create will create conversation. And I think in, you know, if there was an, an overall thematic arc to your show that's sort of a meta arc, like what does the audience take away? I think understanding is 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 a word that pops out. It's understanding people, understanding why everyone's human and why you know. People that you think that the system is just kind of thrown away. It's like no, 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 no. They're still they're still worthy of 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 living and still worthy of being understood and, yeah. and being talked to. But I want to. Taryn, our first season's logline said, "Every sentence has a story." Mm-hmm. And I remember I thought that was mm-hmm. so. Oh, every every sentence has a story. Yes. Oh, that's a great logline. I mean, it's so beautiful. I mean, it's kind of like we're all talking about it in our own lives too. That your yeah, your voice is worth being heard, no matter how outside of the playing field it may land. Right. It's, there's a place for it. And I think, yeah, it's really important. But for Taryn, and I'm sure, you know, I know you have a press day today. I'm sure you're going to talk about this a lot. So I apologize for, for being one of many people to, to bring it up. But it is something that happened on the show. But, you know, your character is sexually assaulted. And then the way that she chooses to deal with that, you know, I, was controversial for a lot of fans. And so 
how did you first react to the storyline? And then, you know, what is your perspective on it now that you've had a little bit of distance from it? Mm. Um, wow. Yeah, no, so when I got the script, you know, because we... We're not really told, I mean, I know for me, I can only speak for myself, but I haven't really been told exactly where my character is going. Or Sometimes it kind of pops up on, on you, too, as life does, which is, um, you know, if you could plan not to be hit by a car, you might sure. dodge it. So if I knew, you know, this was coming, I might be like, eh, I'm not going to, you know, walk out there. But um, basically, yeah, I felt, yeah, it was definitely controversial that she chose, like, I guess the road of forgiveness, I think that is one of the hardest things to do in life is forgive and start with forgiving yourself. And I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of lessons in our show that are really beautiful and poignant. And and it's really a show, yeah, full of um, forgiveness and understanding. As you mentioned, um, it was hard though to speak on something. Uh, knock on wood, and thank, thank God has ever happened to me. Um, I really had to. You know, really act like, and that's the beauty of the craft that I've studied for a long, long time is that I really enjoy acting, and I really enjoy the craft of being an, an actor. So, and what what do you think you've learned about yourself after five seasons on the show? <laughs> I've learned a lot. <laughs> I've learned a lot about myself. This show has definitely illuminated a lot of you know personal stuff, and I was trans transplanted in in new york and i at times feel very alone and ostracized but by my my own self sort of like you know it's scary in new york like it's like it's a whole like throbbing city it's loud (laughs) there's people everywhere they're friends and yeah i'm just kind of there and um yeah i just really immerse myself in this role i always say like it's hard to audition for other things like when we're uh in the season because i feel a really like method about it I feel like I'm, like, betraying my role if I go to, like, audition for something else, you know? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Taylor, what have, you, what have you learned about yourself in these, in these last five years? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. I think that's it. Um, I've learned so many things. Like, I'm, like Taryn's saying, I think um, so much is... I've, I, I've, I've gained so much... I think, like my gratitude for my life is like much bigger than it ever was before because that I get to do this on a daily basis mm-hmm. and having that like in my blood now as as a part of who I am that gift of I wanted to act so badly when I was growing up and that I kind of pinched myself that oh so this is happening and kind of 5 years is enough time where it sort of is in the fabric of my being that like, oh, oh, I look at you, look what, look what happened. You did something. But I, I think I've also learned a lot about kind of speaking to what we were talking about earlier, um, identity and how, uh, how malleable that is. And I think through uh, Piper has tried on many different identities throughout the course of the season and seasons. And, um, it's been really interesting for me to, continue i mean i'm humbled by humans and how often how we shapeshift to make sense of where we are in the world and um so yeah so she's and i have I've, i guess i've gained a lot of compassion for that as well because i i love piper and i i've gained so much compassion and understanding through her sometimes 
bizarre choices. That, <laughs> it, it, that that's how that's how humans operate to try to belong. Well, she has really her identity has really evolved yeah. quite a bit. She's from- so I mean, she is so different. The the woman that I read on the page in you know getting the scripts for season five is a different character than the woman in the pilot of the show that I you know. Started. And so the, the the thing that I always wonder about is you know, watching where she started and where she's come, are all these identities, were they hidden in there before or were they a product of her environment? Like, how much nature nurture is I think that's such a good question. And I think the only thing that I know for sure is that she knew she was hiding beforehand. Mm. And that's, in, in these months that she's been in prison, she has realized that she wasn't, she didn't know who she was. Right. And so I don't, I think that we have all of those colors and shades within us. And I think that you, you know, you can nurture one so it comes out, you know, and then something else recedes. And then the thing that's receding comes out a little bit more. And so um, I don't think there's any, like, real piper. Just, like, there's no real, t- it's, it's a patchwork quilt of a lot of things. Right. Excellent. When we come back, our audience members are going to have a chance to ask a question. We're going to give away uh, fan prizes to people who ask those questions. And remember, if you want to be a part of the conversation at home, at Talking on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, you'll have exclusive information about upcoming guests. And you can ask questions using the hashtag TalkingHardwick, because no matter who we're talking to, we want you to be a part of the conversation. We'll be right back with the cast of Orange is the New Black. We'll see you in a few minutes. Welcome back to Talking with Chris Hardwick. Orange is the New Black is here on the show tonight. The entire the cast of Orange is the New Black. We, it's time for audience questions. Uh, I see someone has a microphone in the front. Please come up and ask your question. What is your name? I'm TQ, and I'm from Santa Barbara. Oh, excellent. Welcome. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to know if, for, it's for the cast, if you could be locked up with any celebrity, who would you want as your bunkmate? Any celebrity? Um, I think I need a man. <laughs> <laughs> Right now on the brain is Michael B. Jordan. Oh, excellent. (laughs) Okay, I know what she's after. (laughs) That's clear what your motivation was. What about you, Taylor? Um, Oh, I'm so, this is so bad. Um, I don't know. Somebody else go first. Oh, God. Meryl Um, Streep. Oh. oh. Yeah. Because then she could help me work on my craft and entertain me. Yeah. And also, <laughs> you get to go, Meryl Streep, what the fuck did you get arrested for? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I know. When did Meryl Streep get arrested? I don't know, but she would be a master at it. Yeah. Whatever it was would be amazing. Whatever it was would be amazing. I don't know. Who, what about you? Who's yours? For entertainment, Yvette Nicole Brown, because... Oh, of yeah. course. I mean, I, I could talk her. TV yeah. all day long with her. Um, but for alternate entertainment, Shamar Moore. You know, I'm gonna. I, I have a very special thing for you, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna let you pick here because you have the. Uh, you you have that outfit here, and so I'm just gonna let you pick uh, which name tag you would like to go with your. Who do you think? You're going with Suzanne. Okay, great. You got Suzanne, and she signed it. Oh, here, here. I'll put this on you, right? There you go. Okay, great. You're very welcome. We have a video message. Take a look. Hi, I'm Brittany from Springdale, Arkansas, and my question is for Danielle. Poussey's death was shattering on so many realistic levels. How did you personally cope after filming that scene? I th- oh, man. 
I think it's so selfish of me to even try to say, how do I cope with something like that? Because, again, like, people are really dealing with that. I'm just acting. You know, I'm just trying to be as honest and imaginative as I can be to be for someone who's going through that. So I I can't even be selfish and say it was so hard. You know what I mean? Because... At the end of the day, I get to hug Samira. You know, I get to take her in my arms. You were friends before. Oh, we've been friends for 10 years now. Um, Yeah, like, we've, yeah, that's my girl. (laughs) I mean, that that one was, you know, it, people really do get, they, 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 their identities really get absorbed into a show. And so everyone kind of has their, like, oh, that's my hero character. And so, you know, when you lose that, it really is hard for people because they really do feel, even though it's, it's fictionalized, it's, they really do feel like they're losing a piece of themselves. And this is just, we did have a reaction card. Um, Samira Wiley, of course, who plays uh, Pusey, who played Pusey. Uh, But the, the reaction was, uh, Kylie Slipkit says, I finished last season. Pusey didn't deserve that. She was the most pure on the whole show. Stewie Kins 43 said, in all caps, why did you let Pusey smile before the credits? I lost it. Need to go hug my baby. <laughs> I like your reading of it, though. Oh, I'm, trying to, like I'm, trying to, I'm trying to understand what the emotional... Why did you let Pusey why smile? Did you let her die? Why did you let her <laughs> smile? That was, that was so good. So yeah. I mean, it, 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 you know... As you said, you know, we're actors, we're performers, we come onto the show. But how long did it take you to understand how impactful it is to people? Like, it really... and I mean, like, there is a tremendous amount of respect that you kind of have to approach it with because the fans need to know that it's as important to you as it is to them. So what was, that, what was understanding that like to you as opposed to just getting a, an acting job? It was... I, I think it was light in that you understand you're doing it for the work but it can feel you can feel the weight and the importance of it because you want to always treat it with the respect and the dignity that it deserves i think each of us finds ourselves on this show confronting and tackling different issues um, and subject matters that often go unchecked in our society and you know in suzanne's case it's the conversation about mental health that we're not having, simply. And I find myself at times not wanting to do anything to insult or offend anyone who's battling or struggling through their life. And in this particular instance, with the justice for Pousset, I think each of us were very clear, we're very sensitive and tuned-in cast as individuals. They separated us. Yeah, huh? They were how they separated us. Yeah, well, we had a lot of different places where we were, but everybody yeah. knew the weight of it. One, because, to Danielle's point, we love Samira, the person. Mm-hmm. She is an amazing girl. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves Samira. <laughs> then she's a phenomenal actor, and everybody loves Pousset. Mm-hmm. So when you realize that you're professional actor self is losing someone it's hard not to then reflect on the social issue that's happening currently in the world that this is actually something we get to go back to and revisit and see Samira if we want to we can call her there are that's not true for the Jordan Edwards of the world that's not true for the Alton Sterlings of the world that's not true for the Sandra Blands of the world so you feel and recognize that weight and you don't want to treat it with any sort of ease or simplicity because that's not what it is for those people who battle that daily. Did you understand how Suzanne chose to deal with it? What, what she chose to do? Did that make, did that make sense to you? Yes, because 
I have to make sense of it for my character. She was not, her objective was not to initiate a fight or a trauma in the space. She herself had already been traumatized, right? We saw what we witnessed in Suzanne was a reaction to a system that had traumatized her the episode previous. She had experienced the social injustice, the assault of Hump's behavior, behavior, excuse me, and we were watching that reaction play out. And a, a casualty of that reaction was Samir, oh, excuse me, was Pousset in her age, attempt to aid her and trying to get the other officers off of her. Off of her. So I don't place blame on Suzanne. I, 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 I look to the system and wonder where the answers can be found there. I mean, it's pretty heartbreaking that she felt that she had to bury herself to try to, to, try to feel what she felt. Yeah. Do you, do you, I, I kind of want to just understand what that scene was like, knowing what you knew and knowing what she was trying to accomplish in that, you know, what's going through your head with the, with the books as the books are burying you? Well, it was two parts, I think. Um, we all work together very closely as a family, each of us, but we are separated, as Taryn mentioned, into different tribes on the show. You know, we have Spanish Harlem, we have the suburbs, we have Ghetto Dorm, and we have the Golden Girls. Those are all the tribes. D and I roll in the, go- in the, no, yeah, the Golden Girls. We're in the Ghetto Dorm, you know, and as was Samira Pousset. And so that's someone we work with every day. Every day. Ten years, are you saying? I've known her for ten years. I helped her with her audition. Oh yes. Yeah, she called me and was like, Danny, I know you're playing Tasty, and I just got an audition for Pousset. Can you read with me? Come over to the house and read. I was like, sure, but can I read that script, though? <laughs> you know? um, so, yeah, like you're saying, we are so close. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, up, no, no, but... girl. It's just, it's just, it, we were feeling it from, uh, yeah. you know, when we stepped in all of those reactions, it was it was... You could put something else into it, pour a little bit more out, because it was someone you knew and felt wasn't going to be there the next day. And I thought, Genji, I mean, I cried reading that, that, which, that reaction which you just yeah. wrote about the smile. Because to read it for us, it's burned in my mind. She smiles. That's some, that Pousset smile that we all know yeah. and love. And to read that, we all know it. We just, I love Samir. We all know it. And you could feel that. So... When you feel the weight of those books, you can take in the experiences, again, happening in the everyday. And, and you can also, I guess, I don't know, want to give, give back to her, Samira, what she has given to us. Uh, we have another question. Someone can stand up and ask a question. Please stand up. What is your name? Hi, I'm Nikki from Vancouver, British Columbia. I'm sorry, I didn't hear your name. Uh, Nikki from Nikki. Vancouver, Oh, British hello. Columbia. Welcome. Well, please, what is your question? Uh, my question is for Taryn. Um, was it uncomfortable for you to have your teeth done up all rotten and missing? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's not the best feeling on the planet. Um, it's actually, um, it's just makeup that goes on on the teeth. And um, it's interesting to eat lunch with it and stuff like that. <laughs> Isn't that comfortable? Never, yeah, when, they, when I did like the, like the really banged up grill yeah. <laughs> <laughs> before the dentist. That was actually like a mouthpiece. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't, I guess, I guess when you're first starting acting and it's like, oh, you're in theater and you're taking acting classes, you don't, 
like the practical stuff that happens on an actual set. We're like, okay, act with a thing on your teeth, <laughs> or, or you know, or you know, just having to act a, during a during a prison riot, or you know, it's like you don't. I feel like nothing really actually prepares you until you actually get there on set. But I think that's more fun, though. Because, like, other than, like, because I went to Juilliard, so, like, first and second year, we had nothing. You just get black boxes and black clothes, and you're miming how to drink a cup of water and all this stuff. It's like, can I just get a cup of water, please? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I would love some fake teeth. <laughs> Why not? Let's see. I have a very, uh, I have a very special thing for you, which is uh, here. This is also a... Uh, Corrections, all signed by the cast. Excellent. Um, this person made one call. Uh, here it is. Check it out. Hi, I'm Katie from Mayo in Ireland, and my question is: What was it like being directed by your co-star Laura Prepon? Oh, great. she's she a, amazing. Yeah. She did a great job. I just loved working with her. I was like, she's a boss. Go ahead, girl. Like, because she's done this acting thing for a long time, so she knows how to speak to actors. Right. Yes. And those are my favorite people to work with. And and she knows the character. She's been with them. So it's not like her figuring out how we maneuver together or which groups, how, how each person works together. She already knows that. So I also appreciate her. I remember her saying, so, Danielle, like, What's your style? Like, how do you want to... What's your communication style with director? And I just appreciated her asking me because sometimes actors need some space. Sometimes, like, just let me do my thing, come in after the second take, and then I'll change it. Or sometimes people need you on them, you know? To, right. like, tell them every step of the way what they're doing or what, they, what you want from them. And so for her to ask me that, I was like... Does anyone okay. else want to direct? Does anyone else have a desire to direct an episode? Sure. I don't. <laughs> I want to direct I I generally. Yeah, you, you want to direct in general? Yes. I love stories. I love telling stories, I think. Um, and I'd be interested in just the part of the crafting a story together. I think it, especially when having been on the front end of it, I guess, the downstage side of it, mm-hmm. to experience it from the back end and help tell not my piece alone, but to serve in like, the collaborative Part of beginning, middle, and end—that's exciting to me. Not to just be one piece, but to sort of be the the grand, the grand master storyteller. Of it. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I've I never thought that I was interested in directing or producing anything that in that capacity. But having the amount of time we've had together doing this, I'm really curious now as to how all of the pieces come together. And I'd love to—I don't know if I want to direct some an episode, but I'm really yeah. excited to have the time maybe to shadow like we have time to like shadow directors and be on location scouts and to be in an editing room and i've and so that's something that i'm excited about exploring in the next few seasons i mean your your relationship with laura's character alex is is such an interesting dynamic because i feel like piper at least from from my perspective she spends so much of the show and we sort of talked about this a little bit but you know trying to fit into someone else's thing yeah you know, and yeah. even with her, it's like there are times where like she's just fucking with you. What are you doing? You know, yeah. like that's how yeah. I felt. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> how do you see their dynamic? Um, I I think that there is. I, I think that there's a vulnerability when you don't quite know who you are, and your own anchor hasn't quite dropped. Right. To put project yourself onto someone else, mm. and that is one of the tightest, most 
explosive bonds I think two people can have. And I think in my mind, trying to make sense of the back and forth, it's that there's something where, because Piper does not know who she is, yeah. she, she can hold on to, to that. And so she can, she can create a self in relation to her, to this woman. So um, it's, almost, it's almost fulfilling more of her need rather than any desire for partnership, kind of. Yeah. She's, she's getting something from it. And that very well may change, but I know that, yeah, does that make sense? That does make sense. Because yeah. on, you know, the, the show like Breaking Bad, which had a very definitive arc, Vince Gilligan said, well, the premise of the show is, you know, the, the thesis of the show is, you know, can you take um, Mr. Chips and turn him into Scarface? And so you're watching this arc. So what do you, what do you, think, what do you think Piper's arc is? I mean, it's a really good question. And I think, like, were, were you just talking? It's like getting, getting, the, getting the new thing. You don't know what's going to happen in your life. So getting the new script every week is interesting. Um, but it's, I think it's much more, it's going to be more subtle than that. I initially thought that it was going to be a bit of a Walter White situation. Right. And as I've been living it, it's, um, it's, it's, far, more, it's far more subtle. Right. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know where she's going to end up. Let's take some questions from the Internet. Oh, this is a good one. Uzo, living off, living off the edge on Twitter, Uh-oh. says, but, like, when will... Ta- What's the name? Yeah, yeah, living <laughs> off the edge. The question is, uh, but, like, when will Time Hump Chronicles hit the shelf? <laughs> it oh, is coming to, to a bookstore near you. No, I don't know. I, I actually kind of think it'd be really fun one year if Netflix sent you as Suzanne to Comic-Con to talk about the book. Your, your book, Time Hump Chronicles, oh and you just went in character. And didn't break at all. Didn't break character, <laughs> didn't break character at all. That would be kind of amazing. Because you said, and I, I just, I love that you love that you are these characters as well. We were at the commercial break. Uh, Uzo was saying, it'd be really fun if for Halloween one year we all just dressed up as our characters <laughs> and went out and had people go, that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you really look like her. Yes. You really <laughs> nailed those knots. Like, Thank you. you know, like, I think it would be amazing. I really think. And just walk down the street, see if anybody catches on. This is, uh, Dan- this is, this is for Danielle Mia Bertani on Twitter. Uh, you probably can't really talk. I, you know, I'll ask the question even though you probably can't really talk about it. How will Tasty's personality change after the events of season four? So without saying anything that happens in season five, knowing what you know about her, how would you think that would affect her? It's, oh man, it is like a grenade went off. You know, that's what I think. I think it gets really intense, and she has nothing to lose. So, therefore, she is doing whatever she feels necessary necessary to get justice for her girl. So it makes for a very interesting season five for Tasty. I mean, the, the idea of, of being incarcerated, whether or not it's, you know, you have a limited sentence or it's a life sentence, or, do, you, do you feel that some of the thought is, well, I'm already in here, it doesn't matter anymore, why try, why go on? Like, where... You know, in as much as actors can, un, you know, begin to understand what this experience is, is really like, where do you think someone finds hope in an otherwise hopeless situation? That's a good question. Oh, man. I, I mean, I feel like with Tasty, it did start off like that. She didn't really have hope. You know, there was a scene in season two where she is about to get out, and she's like, well, what am I going to do? I have nowhere to go, like, you know. 
And she finds herself there again. Uh, but f- because of that, she has made this her home. Um, and because of that, she feels the need to fight for it. Um, she feels the need to get better health care and to have better food and education and all of that because she does realize that these women are more than their sentence. She's more than her sentence. And I feel like with her, it's just, she, it's, 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 you have a choice, you know, especially in a situation like Tasty, that like she, everyone is gone. Everyone has died in her life. And she can either die as well, spiritually, um, or she can say, I'm going to fight to live. And she decides, I'm going to fight to live. Uh, so that's what I think. It, that's where it comes from. You, do you want to live? Uh, a couple more questions. Taryn, yes. this is from Ode Gat. Looks like Ode Gasmo. I don't know. <laughs> uh, did Pensatucky's origin story surprise you? Did it affect how you play the character? Um, her original story, her backstory? Her backstory, yeah. yeah. Um, it wasn't too surprising. I, I knew she probably came from some messed up, you know, background. I think the part about, like, you know, the way she was raised and what she was, you know, meant to be eating and drinking is, like, definitely plays into, yeah, just some of her choices or maybe just how developed her brain is, her frontal lobes, <laughs> <laughs> or lack thereof. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, she, uh, you know... All the backstories really help. You really want to follow these women, and and you, you really get invested because of them. And, yeah, it, it helped me become more invested in my character, helped me understand her more, helped me not judge my own character and um, accept her and, and forgive her. And, you know, she's a real human. Excellent. So uh, as we're wrapping this up, I know, you know, I know you can't talk about season five, but if... If we could just say, like, do you have three words that you can use to sort of, just, you know, give an overall sense of what people can expect in season five? Uh, what would those What would those three words be? Anybody? Oh, Uzo. You're not ready. <laughs> <laughs> those are pretty good. <laughs> does anyone else have any? That's so good. You're not I, ready was perfect. No, that's perfect. Um, I have to say, this was uh, this was an absolute pleasure to all to have you on. I've never really seen you all talk at length in, in, in anything. It's always everything just comes so fast and it's so choppy because uh, we have no attention spans in our culture anymore. <laughs> but um, but it has been an absolute honor to talk to all of you. You do such a beautiful job on your show, and you speak to your show is about survival and it's about hope and it's about not giving up and it's about humanity. And just getting to spend some time with you and see how genuinely warm you all are and how you really do feel the same way about the show, I think, is really satisfying. And uh, I think it will only strengthen the fandom that you already have. So thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Orange is the New Black was here. Uh, Uzo Aduba, Danielle Brooks, Taryn Manning, and Taylor Schilling. Orange is the New Season kicks off June 9th on Netflix. Always check in with us at Talking on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Find out who's going to be on the show, how you can be a part of it. Uh, And thank you for dressing up for the show today, by the way. This is exactly what I want more people to come on and do. The show is about fandom. Uh, Thanks again for watching. I'm Chris Hardwick. Add Hardwick on the tweets and the Instagrams. Don't text and drive. All right, I'll see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Good night. Great job. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. 
Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.